Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Well, guys, today on the show, we have a mystic light worker by the name of Aura Nadrich. And in this episode, Aura and I are going to take you down the rabbit hole. Are you going to take the red pill or the blue pill? I need you to prepare yourselves to be awakened. Let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Aura Nadrich. How are you doing, Aura? I'm good, Alex. How are you? I'm doing fantastic. Thank you so much for coming on the show. I'm excited to talk about your book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, and and get into the get into the weeds of higher states of consciousness and why we're here and all the deep, deep conversations that I love having on the show. So my very first question to you, my dear, is what is your definition of mysticism? Because it is a word that is thrown around every once in a while, like I've had people who call themselves mystics on the show. What is exactly a mystic or mysticism in general? I think uh, one of the definitions of mysticism is really transcending just the more animal instincts of survival that we have and allowing ourselves to uh, align with what perhaps would be just could be described as the divine or you know otherworldly experiences that people can have and may not seem as though they're earthed in the type of everyday mundane experiences and i like to sort of what i say in mindfulness and mysticism is take the mystery out of mysticism because a lot of people feel oh what's a mystic a mystic is something other than myself a mystic is someone that maybe they can't even define what that is because they might not think that they themselves have had a mystical experience. I bring that into the modern day context of our lives to say that everybody can have a mystical experience. It's really being open to align yourself, to imbibe with what those perhaps divine or otherworldly or sacred experiences feel like. And for each of us, that's something different. Yeah, I mean, when I hear the first time I heard the word mysticism, I think of Merlin, I think of magic, I think of magical things, kind of like, again, something outside of me, something that I could never do. But I'm so glad that you kind of brought that in because it is something that we are all capable of doing. I mean, even, you know, even in the teachings of Jesus said, you know, everything I could do, you could do and more. Uh, so Absolutely. And I talk about that in Mindfulness Mysticism. I go into what would seem like extraordinary superpowers, if you will. Well, they're really not something that somebody outside of ourselves can only be the person to experience. We can experience those types of abilities that we have, like to be able to maybe be extremely intuitive, to be able to be psychic, to be able to do remote viewing, be able to sense what someone else is doing in another country. You know, there's a lot of things, there's parts of our brains that we're not even accessing that allow us to feel those extraordinary experiences and to be able to be aligned with them. What I really propose in mindfulness and mysticism is to be open to those experiences. And we do think of people like Jesus or people that walk this earth that were perhaps, you know, what we what we call, you know, um, you know, avatars or people that were, you know, touched by the enlightenment and like a Buddha or Jesus and those that really became fully self-realized in their lifetime. I think of them as they were walking the path of enlightenment. They were walking the path of self-realization. Do you know, and each each and every one of us can embark on that path. We might not be as enlightened as Jesus or Buddha and our incarnation, but I believe in having little mini enlightenment experiences along the way on the life journey. So a lot of these more 
fantastical elements like, uh, you know, like what you were talking about, remote viewing and psychic abilities, things that people think that are outside of them, generally speaking. Is that kind of, in maybe more on the yogic path, a kind of um, uh, something that happens when you are in the enlightened path? Like you, it's not something you search for. So in other words, you're not going to try to levitate, but because you are on the spiritual path, you're meditating to a certain point and connect to something you just naturally levitate. It's kind of just like an off, like something that just happens. Yeah. I mean, what I really also bring to my reader is that when you really are on the path of awakening, when you're on the path of transformation and transcendence, you experience different states of consciousness. Mm -hmm. And that's really part of what I also like to share with those that are embarking on the mindfulness path which is being in the present moment with total awareness. And I say, it's like a camera lens. It just becomes wider and wider and wider. Therefore you see more, you experience more, and you also have the ability to have different, what I call different states of consciousness. And there are many different states of consciousness that one can realize in their lifetime. And ultimately what it comes down to, consciousness is awareness. And the deeper you go into your, your experiences on the path of awakening, or the path of self-realization, you start to have these extraordinary experiences and you start to heighten your awareness. And it can feel like you're experiencing things that feel very otherworldly. And I also really bring up the whole notion of the chemicals in our brains. I say that you can start to feel even feelings of, of ecstasy and bliss you know, that mimic a, a medicine chest or a, or drugs, you know, the, the, the feelings that a lot of people try to realize when they get high, think of the word high, they're trying to go higher, you know, mm -hmm. than sort of the mundane experiences. They want to be able to access a higher state of consciousness. Unfortunately, that can take you down the rabbit hole of addiction. Yeah, without question. So can you talk a little bit about the different states of, of consciousness? Well, I do, you know, there's, there's so many of them, really, you know, what I cite in the book is really that there's, you know, an, an awakened state of consciousness. And that is really just being in the in the mundane every day, I'm aware of what I'm doing in my moment by moment day, if you mm -hmm. will. So there's the awakened consciousness, there's dream consciousness. Do you know, there can be divine consciousness or God consciousness or Christ consciousness. They can be called many different things, which again, takes you out of the first level of consciousness, which is just the awake consciousness, which we really need to get, you know, better even in our awakened states. <laughs> awakened states sometimes can pull us very down into the mundane survival aspects of our lives. So we think, well, we can't experience those higher states of consciousness, that they're mutually exclusive. That's not true at all. The more aware we become, even in the awakened state of consciousness, we can experience those higher, you know, what could be divine states of consciousness or Christ consciousness or God consciousness, where it brings you into the divine realm. So, you know, how do we not think that we can experience that in our in our awakened consciousness, we can, there's no, there's really no level of consciousness one can't experience if they really allow themselves to widen their consciousness, to allow for those other realizations to take place. And that's a really good point because you're saying widen. And, and from my understanding is that when we are, we're in this, the, the awakened state, which is the low state, uh, we have a very kind of tunnel vision kind of thing, like you're saying, we're really survival mode. But as you start to widen the the scope of your awake awareness and consciousness, you start to perceive things differently, like like a yogi or an, a, a master of, of some spiritual master starts to understand that we are all one. We are not separate, but that is based because they're able to see more because they're opening themselves up more and more to allow this. And then you start seeing other things as well. And you start getting access to other things as well, the more and more you wake. And so that's basically what meditation is in many ways is you're going in deeper to widen your awareness. Correct. Exactly. Now meditation is the inform, excuse me. Meditation is the formal practice of mindfulness, meaning you elect to sit 
in a contemplative practice mm -hmm. so that you can experience the quiet mind or at least attempt to quiet the mind mm -hmm. so that you allow yourself to feel the transcendence in your meditation practice. Mindfulness is the informal practice of a sitting meditation, which means you have that same awareness out in the world in all the moments of your lives. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Well, you know, most of us are not monks, you know, that are sitting, you know, on a mountaintop in the lotus position and going deep within and chanting. We're, we're, we're not. We're living in a material world. And I love the quote by French philosopher and mystic Pierre Teilhard de Chardin. The quote is, we are spiritual beings having a human experience mm -hmm. and a lot of the times we just get very caught up or for the most i will say most of the time we're very caught up in our human experiences and we don't think of ourselves we don't wake up in the morning and go i'm a spiritual being we think of ourselves you know is that how am i going to get through the day so we're really more geared towards the human experience and i think if we give more you know mindful awareness that, that we are a spirit that's inhabiting the body even though we're having human experiences, we mustn't forget that it is our spirit that can really ignite the human experience. It can really take the human experience into those higher states of consciousness. You know, and I don't think a lot of people wake up in the morning thinking like that. They're, again, they're more in survival mode, which is more of a, you know, not to say that it's something that's a negative, but when you're in more of the dense state of, of existing, you're not really open to taking advantage of these incredible moments. Again, and this is what mindfulness teaches us, to be able to sit when you're, you know, watching a sunrise or a sunset so that you can really have that higher experience. You know, it's not like, oh, I'm just watching a sunrise and a sunset. You go into such a deep, state of oneness with that experience that you can feel some pretty extraordinary what can feel like almost psychedelic experiences well then let me ask you because a lot of people listening might might hear our conversation and go this is all fine and dandy it's very philosophical uh in what we're talking about but what are some practical things we can do to widen our consciousness to widen our awareness of life of ourselves of the nature of reality in, in general well, I think really we have to begin with the mindfulness practice, being mm -hmm. very cognizant of how can we be more present? Because, you know, as a study out of Harvard cites that our mind wanders over 50% of the time, which really indicates how unpresent we are. See, <laughs> with all of our devices and all our distractions and all the things that are taking us out of the moment. And so where does our mind wander to? It's either thinking about the future, which is a time frame or a time zone that isn't, it doesn't even exist yet. It's not yet here. So we usually have anxiety or, or nervousness or, an, or anticipation about a time that is not yet here, or we're lamenting or begrudging the past, which is come and gone. And where we have the hardest time is being in the present. So what I really encourage people to do is to try to make a concerted effort to be present, to be more present. And how do you do that? You begin with like from, from the minute you wake up in the morning, you don't just, you know, jump out of bed like a ball out of a cannon. You really, again, go within, you know, take those moments to do some maybe deep breathing, put your hands on your heart chakra, acknowledge that, yes, I'm a spirit that's inhabiting this body. And I'm one more day alive for my spirit to breathe into this body and observe yourself go into observation mode of how how often we're so inclined to rush out of a moment so if you can start to really bring yourself into the present more you're going to start to experience some pretty interesting moments you're going to start to see a transformation you're going to start to see that the moments become deeper for you and another thing i might add about uh, you know really having a mindfulness practice is that your senses start to heighten because you're more present, you're really listening more. You're really, you know, let's even if it's a conversation you're having or you're listening to music, you're like, whoa, I'm really, really listening to this music much more, you know, deeply. Your sense of smell starts to feel or, or starts to seem as though you can even smell things 
better. And when you eat, when there's a mindfulness-based eating experience, you're really tasting your food. So think about all of the things that we rush through on mm -hmm. a daily basis that we're robbing ourselves of those heightened experiences. Mm -hmm. Do you know? So for the for the person that's listening, going, well, okay, how do I do that? Or how do I be more present? I say, start being more present. <laughs> you know, get up, put your phone down, really listen to somebody when you're in a conversation with them, really be a hundred percent in the experience that you're having. Do you know, because you're going to, you're going to feel it so much more. You're going to experience it so much deeper. Well, right. If you're eating a piece of, you know, New York cheesecake, uh, <laughs> enjoy it. Bite by bite. Don't just sit there and, and don't talk to somebody. It. Yeah. Or don't wolf, wolf it down. down. I mean, you know, we, you know, a lot of people rush and eat or they're talking and they're eating and they're checking their phone and they're, uh-huh. You know, you know how it goes. We're like, we're multitasking and that multitasking is never going to give you a transformational experience because right. what you're doing is you're busy doing so many things simultaneously. You're never going to fully experience the one very thing that could really blow your mind. Mm -hmm. Yeah, without without question. Now, speaking of blowing your mind, I'd love to hear your perspective on psychedelics and what is happening with psychedelics uh, now with the studies that are happening with psychedelics and reaching those higher states of consciousness even if it's just for a short time uh, and, you know, kind of, and uh, we could talk a little bit more deeply about it, but I'd love to hear your thoughts about it. Yeah. I mean, I know that there's a lot of um, drug therapies that are going on right now. Like let's just say people that are microdosing or mm -hmm. with ketamine, you know, that people are using that for therapeutic experiences. So I'm seeing a wave of the way in which, you know, um, mind altering or psychedelic drugs are being used, or, you know, there's a huge ra a rise in plant medicine with ayahuasca. And, you know, a lot of people get tremendous benefits out of it. I don't have any judgment about how somebody wants to access those, you know, other states of consciousness. You know, what I really propose is that sometimes that's the gateway or the portal for somebody. I just wouldn't get dependent on those drugs to constantly always give you the high that you really want to get. What we really want to do is get to that place where we can take ourselves into the higher consciousness state without necessarily just needing something to jumpstart it, you know, and for a lot of people, they've had profound experiences on psychedelics and plant medicine. And that really was the way in which they were able to connect to something really, you know, altering for them. And so again, people come in, in the door in different ways, do you know, and I think whatever works for you, as long as you don't use it for the wrong reasons, if you're right. really using it to expand your consciousness or to, for, for healing purposes, for therapeutic purposes, um, Again, it's personal. That's someone's decision to make for themselves. I think the, what I was trying to also stress in my book, Mindfulness and Mysticism, is that, you know, we can have these euphoric, ecstatic, blissful states um, naturally. We yeah. can, you know, and it's really amazing because I think the I think in the future, we're going to be able to just turn it on automatically. Mm -hmm. Well, I think it was uh, Ram Dass that said that he, he started off obviously with psychedelics with Timothy Leary, yeah. yeah, uh, very famously. But he's like he got tired of coming back. He would go <laughs> on the trip, and he's like, "I want to go to, I want to learn how to stay there." And yeah. this this stuff is not doing it. And he goes, "Then I met the Maharishi," yeah. and I said, "Oh my God, look, there's a being who's there all the time. I need to learn from this guy," and that's how he got it. Yeah, I think there's that great story. I. I believe it's Krishna Das, the musician that mm -hmm. tells the story of giving Maharaji. Um, I think somebody gave him, or, oh, yeah. or it was Ram Das, I believe, gave him like an, an inordinate amount of tabs of acid or something that yes. sounds like it would have just blown Kill. them up, <laughs> or killed an elephant or something. And that they witnessed um, Maharaji like nothing happened. Yeah, you know, he's laughing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like he's already in this, or he was in this enlightened state, you know, that, you know, doing some kind of mind altering drug just didn't really alter his mind in any way, which is pretty fascinating. So that is coming from the other side of what you're talking about. You know, when you're, when you start to really allow yourself to develop higher states of consciousness, you start to 
you start to know how to get there on your own. You know how to stay there longer. You know, you know how to really sort of access that and maneuver that. But it is it is work. It does take work to those kind of levels. I mean, it does take time to get to those places. The mindful, the mindful, um, being mindful of your daily day process is a starting point. But to get to these truly higher levels like the Maharishi and things, it takes time to do. And I forgot I was speaking to a yogi the other day, and he said that uh, with with psychedelics is like you're you're opening a door that you were not invited into. And you might not be able to handle what's on the other side, as opposed to a Maharishi who's been doing this 20 years or however long it, it took him to get to that place. He's been prepping. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. For that moment, so then yeah. he can withstand whatever is on the other side of that door. So yeah. that's why some people have bad trips. That's a, have- that's a good point. And I also want to add to that, that I think that, you know, people haven't done work on themselves. If yeah. they have inner, inner journey work, which I'm a big believer mm-hmm. in mm-hmm. to go within. Um, I think that if, if you bypass that, if you're not somebody who really is comfortable going within, you need to look at that because just, you know, taking a psychedelic or just, you know, going into plant medicine that you think is going to, you know, be the, the way in which you can go within, I would say, Start to spend time going within, being with yourself, sit with yourself in meditation, you know, you know, develop more contemplative practices, you know, turn off your distractions, you know, and, and get more comfortable with yourself. Because as we said earlier, you know, not everybody's comfortable going into those places. Oh, I yeah. say get comfortable being uncomfortable. Oh, yeah, because once you go through that door, it, 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 it there's no going back. <laughs> you know you know don't don't just you know i don't want people to do that bypassing where they just think the trip is going to take them into Mm. this phantasmagorical you know mind-blowing ecstatic place which maybe it will but you know it's like that great saying you know i think it was was it ram das you know you know wherever you go there you are Mm -hmm. so you know you could take yourself to all those places you can have all those all the trips you want but at the end of the day you return back to yourself Right. You can go on a vacation, but at the end of the day, your problems will still be waiting for you back at home. Uh, yeah. So do the inner work, you know, there, there, there's, it's something you need to pay attention to. Do you know, it's like, let that be your day job and do some inner work. Without question. Now, um, what is a light worker? I've heard that word thrown around so often. What is a light worker and what do they do? I think a light worker, you know, I would say somebody who's aware that the work that they're doing is to you know, emanate light from their being, you know, because I don't want to really look at a light worker as again, they're different than you and I, mm-hmm. you know, I think when you choose to be a light worker, you're somebody who really wants to emanate the divine light or that light that is within each of us. And the more you develop it, the stronger it gets. And you realize that your light is really contributing to the energy and the frequency on the planet. Do you know? Mm -hmm. So it's people that really want to make that their life journey, if you will. They're aware of that, you know, the energy that we put out into the world is it's an energetic frequency that really changes the energy and the frequency in the moment. It can change the energy and frequency of another human being. It can raise the energy and frequency in, in any given situation. So I look at light workers as those that really feel that that's you know, really part of their purpose being on this journey, on this life journey and being on this planet, that they want to, they want to share their light as wide and far as they can, which can be life-changing for others. Well, you said the word frequency and I, and anytime someone brings up frequency, I really like to just dig into that a little bit because it sounds woo-woo out there when people say things like that. But I want you to bring it down to earth for what it actually means for people listening who might not be aware of the concept of energy and frequencies within the energy and frequencies that we put out uh, of enlightened beings as their frequency goes higher, they're able to do different things, things like that. Everything is energy. You know, Mm -hmm. if you really even did the sound waves of what comes out of a human being, you know, everything, even whether, whether it's an 
inanimate object, if it's a human, an animal, any living entity, even trees and, you know, um, any anything, you know, or in, in marine life, if there's an energy, there's a frequency. I know that there's, you know, ways in which to gauge the, the sound or just the energy frequency, the Hertz level of what's coming out of the energy that's emanating out into the world. And I don't think there's anything woo-woo about that. It's just that we are, you know, we are beings that have an energy to our beingness, if you will. Mm -hmm. It's like, you can say something that doesn't sound woo-woo when you, when you meet somebody and you can say, wow, that person has such great energy. But well, what do you really what are you really saying when you're, you know, there's nothing woo woo about saying, well, that person has such great energy. Let's bring it down to the most, you know, really understandable basic, yeah. basic level that we can for, for anybody who wants to understand that. What you're really saying is I feel good around that person. I really feel good around that person. They, they make me feel good. Well, why are they making me feel good? Their energy is positive. You know, mm -hmm. it's a, it's a level of positivity. And we can feel the positive energy. We can feel the negative energy when we're around someone. So if you look at energy is that it's, it's a, it, you know, or a frequency, which really means it's reverberating out from that being or from the, the, the energy that an animal is giving an energy that a tree is emanating. How does that make you feel? That's a question for somebody to ask themselves. How do I feel when I'm in the presence of this person? How do I feel when I'm in the presence of, you know, I have this big, beautiful tree that's outside my house. Uh, it, that tree for me emanates an energy and a mm -hmm. frequency. And when I'm sitting under that tree, I can really feel it. Now, that's again, you know, I mean, I can't really dumb it down for somebody that doesn't subscribe to those kinds of things. Sure. It, you have to just experience and you if you if you have that experience it's something that you can really describe as an energy and again going back to how does that make you feel and and we've all had that either said to us or we've said it about someone else like someone can say oh I, you know, I love being around you you make me feel good that's energy or or you're like i gotta take a shower after that guy because well, well, we know that's the negative. That's a toxicity. Mm -hmm. You know, energy can, like I said, for every polar opposite of the negative, there's a positive. So, mm -hmm. you know, then it's really important to be mindful and aware of the energy that you're feeling around someone or in a situation. Right. And by the way, to pay close attention to that, mm -hmm. you know, a lot of times people feel something and going back to our, our innate superpowers, we have deep intuition, you know, and our intuition can tell us a lot. So if we're feeling something that feels very positive and very soothing, that is a positive energy. When we're feeling something negative, even if it's around a person, pay attention to that. That's going to tell you what is the energy that you're experiencing. Yeah. I mean, if you just, I mean, I, I, I know you're in California, but if you've ever had a chance to go and stand in front of a sequoia or in the redwood forest. Yes, I have. And and you walk those you there's there's just something there that you just oh, like oh I'm my a, god i'm a big tree person so i love the tree i love trees i love the ocean you know mm -hmm. i really there's certain elements you know nature elements that i just really resonate to and if you are there for anybody who's you know there are people that are really into the mountains or the desert or the ocean you know they really feel that resonance oh yeah the ocean yeah yeah, that's, that's, again, it's an energy. When I'm around the water, when I walk on the beach, or I just sometimes we can just stare out at the water for hours. It, that, again, recognize how it makes you feel when you're in the presence of that. How many times have you walked into a room when two other people were there before you, and you didn't know what was going on, but the second you walked in the room, you go, Oh, some, some, some stuff was going down here. <laughs> like they were in an argument. They were, there's something yeah. happening oh, in this room. Absolutely. You know, for sure. And I think for some people that, you know, maybe are not wanting to own the energy that they're putting out, which mm. could be, which could be negative, mm -hmm. you know, and sometimes people are not that honest and, you know, they're not going to say to somebody, some people do like, Hey, you got, you, you know, you got some downer 
energy going on. <laughs> you so, you toxic girl. <laughs> yeah, I'm not really giving your energy right now. I'm not wanting to hang out with you right now, you know, or and for somebody who really wants to work on that, who's open, and I on all my books I write about be open, really be open. You know, don't let your ego get in the way of this. If if your energy is not to say you can't be in a down place, you know, we can go into those you know, more even sad or, you know, sometimes anxious or even angry places, you can own that. That's okay. There's something you need to experience there and you need to process that, but you're not going to want to dump it on other people. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Do you know, mm-hmm. like, do, do your, that's why I said, it's like, do your inner work. You know, get comfortable so, being uncomfortable. So when you say inner work, what does that mean for people? Because that's a pretty broad term. What does inner work mean? I think inner work is really taking, I what I say in one of my books, I think it's my little mysticism. I've, I've written um, five. And <laughs> my most recent book, by the way, isn't that book. I have a new book out called Time to Awaken. You mean this book right here? Yeah. <laughs> but you're good. It's, it's so good. Uh, yeah. So what, what do I mean by, by inner, by inner work? So inner work, you know, I say, take a spiritual pulse, take your pulse, Mm -hmm. you know, how am I I doing? You know, if we did that every day, especially when we're at the effect of a mood, Mm -hmm. we can't quite get to the bottom of what's going on with us. You know, I say behind every emotion, there's a thought, Some people come in through the emotion end of it and other people come through the thought. So they can have a thought that's really negative and not connected to an emotion that's reacting to that thought. And for other people, they're feeling the emotion. And I say, catch the thought, because when you work with that, you're doing the inner work. You're doing the inner work of taking responsibility for what you're feeling and to know yourself better. You know, you talk about, some enlightened beings on the planet like Jesus or Buddha, you know, think of Buddha. I think of Buddha sitting under the Bodhi tree, you know, and um, going within. And there were, there were, you know, stories of Jesus disappeared for a while. Where did Jesus go? Yeah. There's that that 30 year gap in the history. We've spoken about this. Maybe Jesus was, was, was deep inside. He was spending a lot of time with himself. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Deep within. And, you know, you want to talk about the most psychedelic trip you can have, just spend some deep time with yourself Ooh. and let let it, you know, free fall into what's there. Get to know yourself, including, I might add, your shadow, which is psychological aspect of our beingness, which Carl Jung, the psychologist, called the shadow, which is the darker aspects of our psyche. The, the aspects of ourselves we may not like very much. The aspects of ourselves like, oh, okay, I don't want to look at that. You know what I mean? And you need to integrate. You need to integrate the all aspects of yourself so that you can create this type of inner wholeness, if you will. You know, the last thing I would say is to to not avoid. You don't want to avoid all of who you are, because if you're sitting in judgment of that, you're not going to be able to integrate the aspects Mm -hmm. of yourself. It's even from those places of ourselves that we may not really like a lot or maybe even love about ourselves. When we integrate it, we learn how to accept it. We learn how to even transform the parts of our personality that maybe could use a little work. Do you know? That's the inner work I'm talking about. Did you have you heard of the the darkness therapy thing that's going on right now? Sounds very self-explanatory. <laughs> it literally is sitting in a dark room with yourself for like a retreat, basically a day or two. with no light and it's just you in the darkness and people people say it is literally looking into the dark dark corners of the soul and it's psychedelic almost because your mind has nothing else to do so it has there's no other stimulation exactly has to go within and that's when a lot of stuff comes out like that was a yeah. lot of stuff. So it's a cheap, it's a cheap, it's a cheap ayahuasca. <laughs> right, right. You're like, you just, you're just like, you're in the dark right you're, away. You're you're d- just, and you stay there. Yeah. I mean, like I'm all for any kind of therapy or therapeutics, 
that really help you get to know who you are better. Mm-hmm. You know, I'm not saying you have to sit on a couch for 20 years with your with a therapist mm-hmm. to find out why, you know, mommy did this and daddy did that. And, you know, you got bullied on the schoolyard, sure. which is important to know, but you don't want to that to run the show as you get older. You want to really learn from the experiences that we have on the life journey so that we can have that you know culmination of understanding of what took place so that we're not in victimhood or you know not to make light of the wounds that we have mm-hmm. and it's important to address what's still there that needs that healing you know and it can come up at any time no matter how old you are an old wound could rear its head but be aware of it be cognizant of it cognizant of it do you know so you, you, I think you kind of talked about this, but can you explain the dance between light and dark in ourselves? Well, I think, you know, I really do understand the dualistic nature, which is really a Buddhist concept of that we live in dual, a dualistic reality. I mean, we're, we're in the material world, but as I said earlier, we're spiritual beings. I mean, that's mm-hmm. a big contradiction right there. So we have to navigate the waters between the spiritual and the material. And the dance really, what I call is, you know, it's like a cosmic dance. It's like being able to navigate the contradictions on the life journey. And if you think of really just the whole idea of dancing, it's like, again, I use the word free falling a lot in that book. It's that you're open to the movement. You're open to the surrender, if you will, to the the dichotomy, to the contradiction, to the duality of our nature and you're not being dominated by one over the other so for me it is like a dance it's like a a spiritual dance and rather than to have resistance or again to avoid the 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 aspects the different aspects of ourselves Mm -hmm. we want to be able to integrate them you know and and by the way you can literally dance you know i use it more metaphorically <laughs> but i also mentioned the cosmic dance in the book about you know put on that great music and even if you're dancing by yourself you know where you can go into you know for anybody who's really danced like to the point where you almost like lose mm-hmm. sight of yourself oh yeah you're in the, you're in the, you're in the zone athletes get it you're totally in in that zone where it's like whoa and that's the high experience i'm talking about you know where you suddenly go into that altered state that feels so high like you're on a drug Mm -hmm. and artists talk about it all the time writers talk about it when they're when they get in a flow athletes talk about it it's being able to do it in your day-to-day life that's the trick if you can like live in the flow then time stops there is no time it just is a it's really magical place. That's the magic. That is the mystical that I'm talking about, Alex. I'm like saying that it's like a time continuum. There's no, yeah. no really begin. You're just in that that flow and there's no beginning or end to it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, you're just so, yeah. I've been there multiple times in my life as an artist. And it's just like, you wake, you look up and you're like, I've been here for five hours. I got to get up. I got to eat. Yeah, you know, so that's the kind of navigating I'm talking about. Like for those of us that have really let ourselves go there, yeah, you you can suddenly go, okay, well, you know, I got to get to a meeting or I got to feed my kids or, you know, so that that's the beauty of the contradiction. That's the beauty of the dance is that we really start to become really agile at balancing the spiritual aspects of ourselves in a material world. And we, we get better at it. It's like you start to get really good at it. Do you know? Mm-hmm. Well, let me ask you, from your experience walking your life's path, and obviously all the books, and you've, I'm sure, have thought about this question many a day, uh, the one I'm about to ask you, why are we here? What is the purpose of all of this, this, this dance, this play, this movie that we're all, the video game that we're all playing? That's such a great question. You know, um, well, <laughs> to me, that's, yeah, that is like one of the probably the most important questions to ask ourselves, you know, what am I doing here? We might not know the why, do you know, maybe some people do know exactly why they're here and they connect that to their purpose. But the question of what do I want to do while I'm here on this earth plane? Do you know, I mean, we've all incarnated into this earth plane at this moment in time which is really, I mean, you want to trip out about the fact that I sometimes have said, wow, 
you know, here we are on this planet Earth. It's rotating on its axis in the middle of, you know, the universe, uh, somewhere. Yeah. The, universe the galaxy, the cosmos. I mean, if that doesn't trip you out, you know, mm-hmm. and so what are we doing here? You know, for those of us that are real seekers, you know, that really want to get a lot of bang out of our life experience, you know, we're not just going to do what I say in my new book, Time to Awaken. We don't exist just to exist. There are people that are just, you know, moving through life and they're like, okay, it's another day and let me get through the day and la-di-da and whatever it is for them. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. But there are those of us that we really want to know what we're doing here. We're like, okay, what's going on? What what are we doing? What is this about? You know, what do I want to realize in my lifetime? Because that's a pretty profound question to ask yourself. What do you want to get out of this incarnation? You know, before you take your last breath, what do you want Mm -hmm. that to be about? Do you know, it's, it's like for some people, they want it to be like, bring it on. I want to know why I'm here, what I'm meant to do here. I want to, I want to lift the veils. I want to know the sacred truths of the universe. You know, they're a real, you know, uh, student of discovery. They, they're all in. (laughs) So, But but there's others on the other side of that, that coin that they just want to hide. And it's like, let the storm go past them. And then like, I just want to survive and get out of this thing alive, <laughs> which we never do. Obviously, nobody gets out yeah. of this alive. <laughs> well, you know, it's so true what you're saying because it's really the way you're looking at this life journey. I, I like to use the ocean as a metaphor because the ocean's a really magical, trippy oh. body of huge water that's on this planet Earth. And I think, look at the way the ocean is. First of all, the way in which it goes in, the waves go in and out. So that's a meditation in itself. You know, it's like our breath. We breathe in, we breathe out, the the water comes in, the water goes back out. And I think to myself, look at the ocean. It can be so calm and so zen and so serene. And it could be so rageful and so tumultuous and, you know, just swallow you up, you know? So I say, be a good sailor, be a good navigator navigate the waters because sometimes the sea is calm and sometimes it is wild and tumultuous so i look at the this like this life journey is that it's like the you know sometimes it's an easy journey to navigate and sometimes it's extremely challenging well then why do we allow fear to take such a hold of us and not allow us to enjoy this this ride more often because look, all of us deal with it at one point or another in our lives. I mean, all fear is, of us. Fear is, fear is normal. I mean, it's part of our survival again, you know, I mean, we're not hunters and gatherers. Our, we, our brains have developed beyond that in that we're just not out hunting for our food and afraid that a saber toothed tiger can come out of nowhere and just kill us. So yeah, we're always gonna have a a modicum of fear. It's normal to have, but it's also really important to gauge where your fear is coming from because how much is fear stopping you from living life? How much much of fear is really um, in control of your life? And I also feel that um, probably the most basic um, instinct around that kind of fear is our fear of dying. Mm. You know, it's like, look, we all probably somewhere deep inside ourselves want to live forever. And we're, as far as we know, I mean, again, you go back into the spirit that transcends the body. And if you, you know, this is a vehicle, it's like, it's like our, it's like our car, you know, and it's going to, it's going to get old. It's going to break down and, you know, and then maybe the spirit goes on to whatever people believe where their spirit ascends to. And, but I think the most basic fear that a lot of people feel and i i really saw it over the last three years when mm. when we had the a pandemic as it yes. was yes uh people went into a heightened state of fear well why did they go into a heightened state of fear because they were told that they were going to oh. die over a novel virus that 
as we now know, didn't come from a bat. It was leaked out of a lab. All that's right. out for those of you that just watch your local news. You might yeah, want to- that, that, that information has officially come out now, that yeah. Information is officially out now. And no, you don't have to be a conspiracy theory, theorist to know it. Anyway, all that to say that people went into such a heightened state of fear. I mean, mm. I've never seen- No, I never did. Such a collective heightened state of fear and they were in an unnatural state of fear because if you think about it, that was drawn out for an inordinate amount of time. Oh, the stress, oh. the stress, and we were put, we were we had all these unnatural protocols that were put into place. Which wiping only- wiping Amazon boxes for God's sakes with I was wiping Amazon boxes with Clorox wipes. <laughs> well. I, I was hunting we for toilet paper because apparently yeah, in- all, well, maybe, I think we should all learn from that. We should all learn that. We should we- all get bidets is what you're saying. Get Everyone should get a bidet and there's not a problem anymore. There you go. I mean, the world came to the end and everyone said toilet paper. Like, really? It was that the thing? I, I Looking at all that now with all the, you got to read my, I'll come back after you read my book. Um, uh, yeah, we can look at all that now and go, Wow. 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 We really, we really um, fell for a lot of that fear mongering big time. Mm-hmm. And as, as I say in Time to Awaken, you shouldn't make really important decisions in your life when you're in a state of fear. Absolutely. You never make some of the most important decisions of your life, including that of your health, when you're in a heightened state of fear. Look, most people, everybody was at the effect of it because it was coming at us at such a rapid speed. And it was, we never experienced anything like that in our lifetime, you know, that where a global occurrence gripped the entire world. Shut down, shut down for a month. Shut down. Yeah. Shut down. And then it kept getting drawn out and drawn out and drawn out and all of that. And now we're realizing that, you know, the embarrassment around wiping your packages, your Amazon packages, because that never was anything to do with the virus. And they're realizing that that respiratory, it just, they didn't live on the boxes. Let's just say that. Yeah, we all, yeah, we all knew that. Yeah, exactly. The chances of you getting it off of a box is, is yeah, I mean, I think it was was really, I mean, it really was a lot of fear mongering going on during that time. And I've never seen the world, shut down before i've never heard of that even in the history of of of, of history the, the, whole world, the world shut down but as we know uh liquor stores managed to stay open obviously well obviously that's the best that was the best time for the sales <laughs> exactly <laughs> right it's like you had to really anesthetize people but yeah the world shut down not every country did it like sweden didn't do it there are a lot of countries that did not shut down they didn't go along with that program Mm-hmm. So a lot of them, yeah, a lot of them didn't. Sometimes you would see these other countries and they were just like, life is normal. And like, oh, well, they're going to like, okay, if there's a virus, there's a virus. And if we get it, we're going to get it. And, you know, um, interestingly enough, what's coming out now about that is that so many people, especially in countries like that, that didn't do those extreme, go to those extreme measures by isolating mm-hmm. people, which mm-hmm. is unnatural. Um, they're, they even have lower death rates than some of the countries sure. that were to hardcore lockdown. So let me ask you, your new book is called Time to Awaken. You know, the concept of awakening is something I talk a lot about on this show. And it is, I believe that we are in a great awakening. I think that we are more open now than we've ever been in our our recorded history, without question. Uh, the, The entire planet is shifting. The consciousness of the species is shifting. I can see it from when I was born. Yes. To where we are now, just in the short time that I've been alive, conversations like this would have been very difficult to have in the 80s uh, or the 70s or anything like that. They would, you know, admit if you would go back a few years, you would have been burned at the stake. So so what is your def- so what is your definition of awakening? What is the awakening in your in your perspective? Well, it's interesting. First of all, I want to say, Alex, that when I wrote Time to Awaken, the download that I was getting from the very beginning of the shutdown or the lockdown or the lockup, whatever you want Mm -hmm. to call it, um, I kept saying, oh, this is way more than a virus. This is this is way more of what's going on on the planet. We're in the midst of a great awakening. Now, I never came up with the term great awakening, but I really believe in those kinds of talk about the mystical experience, that download. Mm -hmm. 
came through to me and I kept saying, oh, we're in the midst of a major spiritual awakening. So I really do feel that we are at a point in our history that is unlike any other time that we've lived in and that there are people that are waking up. And I use that a lot through the book. My book is Time to Awaken, which means time to wake up. And I do mention in uh, Time to Awaken, it's as if we're living in a parallel universe because there are those of us that are really waking up and waking up quickly and aware of what's going on on many, many levels. And then there are people that don't even know what you're talking about. So I say it's connecting the dots. And I was a dot connector. I've been a dot connector for most of my life, but I really was a dot connector over the last three years. And I said, it would be like, I was connecting all these dots and then I could talk to somebody that I've never met before. And we're like finishing each other's sentences. And then I'm talking to somebody else. And it would be like, I said to them, well, aren't you connecting the dots? And they would go, what dots? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So it's, we're living, I believe in a time where there are those that are awakening and Mm -hmm. ascending to higher states of consciousness and awareness. And so many of the veils are lifting. It's just mind blowing. Mm -hmm. And if you can be somebody who doesn't get too reactive to what the veils of illusions might mean like there might be information that's coming out and some people might go oh i don't believe that or i don't you know i don't i don't want to know that if you can go past your own fear and recognize that a lot of the truths are being revealed what i call sacred truths of the universe it's going to it's going to blow a lot of people's minds because a lot of the ways in which we perceived life and the way in which life works the systems that are in place and the constructs and the uh, institutions and all the things that we really believe that's how the world works. What if you find out that that's not really how it works or that's not really how it's supposed to work? Mm -hmm. And then it brings the focus and awareness back on ourselves. And you mentioned earlier on someone like Jesus, you know, Jesus is an incredible uh, example of someone who walked the path, the awakened path, and said said things to people that they thought he was nuts. They were like, what are you talking about? Today, I would say they probably call people that say things like that conspiracy theorists. I'm not saying all the things that people say that aren't out there aren't some of it too out there, and maybe they're not really somebody that you want to listen to. But we have an opportunity right now to really as I say, the best way I can describe it is lift the veils of illusion, Mm -hmm. be able to recognize that a lot of the things, you know, I I go back a lot to the wizard of Oz as an example. I love that movie in the metaphor of what it means that there they are, Dorothy and her three friends who have come to what get courage, a heart. And what was the The other one? The courage, a heart and brain. Brain. And, you know, and then they hear this voice over the this loudspeaker that sounds like this horrific, scary voice, you know, that like they shudder every time they hear that voice. And it took Toto the dog to move the curtain away <laughs> to reveal that that scary, very scary voice was that of, a, of an old man, you know. So let's let's move the curtain. Let's lift the veils so that we can see things for what they really are. Well, you know, and I, I think if, if if there's people listening to this conversation right now who are having the same reactions like you just said, like, oh, I don't believe this, this is ridiculous or this or that. You know, I found that when people's foundational stories are threatened, anything from <laughs> religion to what you eat to uh to mac or pc uh <laughs> anything they will defend it because if they open themselves up to believe this new idea it rattles the entire foundation of their story and they have to be strong enough and brave enough to open themselves up to that story is like i've said on the show so many times i'm a recovering catholic and when the concept of reincarnation was introduced to me one day i was like oh that makes sense to me but that completely destroyed whatever foundation was laid out 
coming from a from a Catholic background because yeah, they, they we're supposed to believe in the rapture. In the Obviously, the rapture and the hell, and we're all going, you know, all yeah. that stuff. Yeah, the Old Testament God and stuff. But but now, it, you know, you have to be open to that. So, what would you say to people whose found whose foundational stories, and that's all it is, a story that they've told themselves? Absolutely, Alex, you got it. Uh, you know, it's interesting because if you think about it, you know someone said to me recently, it was a younger person. And I, I, they said, you know, most people need to be told what to do and how to live. They need, they need ideas. They need to be led. They need to believe in things. And then they put their belief in those things. And if you were to come along and go, well, what if I were to tell you that what you <laughs> believed in was a lie, they're going to want to punch you in the face. They're going to be like, how dare you say that to me when that is the 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 my, the truth. Base, my truth that is those are my core beliefs you know and you know you talk about being in a dark room by yourself you know if we applied what you just asked to that whole idea of being in a dark room and everything was wiped clean you had no religious beliefs you had no dogmatic you know ideals mm -hmm. You had no preconceived judgments. Like it was just, you were stripped clean of all of that. Mm -hmm. And you had nothing to hold on to. You know how frightening that is for people? Yeah. Like, I mean, it's like, think about it. That's, but, but look at this. That's the way you come into the world and that's the way you're going to leave. Mm -hmm. Not holding on to anything. Maybe, you know, I don't, I can't get in the mind of other people and what their experiences are, you know, but I do think that we're living in a time right now, which is really, wow it's 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 pretty wild it's a really wild ride because a lot of the things again a lot of the systems a lot of the constructs a lot of the beliefs that people have had are going to be stripped bare and things are going to be revealed it's like it's you know i i say this is a great awakening some people call it the great reveal do you know i think it's all of the above i think that you know who are we if we strip away all of this and we have to begin again. Well, who would Alex be? Who would Aura be? Mm -hmm. You know, if we just got stripped of all the things that we were told to believe are true from when we were little people, the mm -hmm. very first things we were taught and told, well, this is this is the truth. Well, of course, you must be telling me the truth because you're my teacher. Well, you must be telling me the truth because you're my parents. Well, you must be telling me the truth because you're my, you know, priest or my rabbi. You must be telling me the truth because you're my government. You must be telling me the truth because you're big pharma. You must be telling me the mm -hmm, truth mm -hmm. because you're the, you know, World Health Organization. Well, to, to quote my first book, says who? Mm -hmm. That's the title of my first book, says who? who's to say that everything we've been told is true is necessarily true it's our job to find out the truth when you asked mm -hmm. earlier what are we what are we doing on this planet for me i want to know the truth and you know it's like why are people afraid to find out the truth you know also what you're saying is it, it's going to is going to rattle your world if you find out that what you believed in so strongly isn't really what you thought it was is it going to just shatter you as a human being? I think we need to look at that. I think it's really important to know who we are without all that stuff. But and then again, that story that you're that you're holding on to was basically a, a result of where you were born. If you were born in in you know in China or in India, you're going to be a Buddhist or a Hindu, and you would have those beliefs. And if you were born in in a Christian country or a Muslim country, you would have those beliefs. It's based around societal parents. That is you basically that's what you get. So if you understand that much and go, oh, well, wait a minute. I've been told all this stuff and it was true to the people who raised me, my community, my church, whatever. But it's my job to kind of go out and open myself up to all these teachings and see what rings true to me as opposed to what I've been told. And also to really ask these questions like why have we been led to believe that we should hate one another oh because we're we're different or we yes. come from different religions or different cultures or different nationalities i mean look at the perpetuation of that lie yes and, and you talk about ascension and higher consciousness and look at the most 
basic base levels of the way we survive that we we hate one another because of our different beliefs so you know those beliefs that we're told we should believe based on where like you said where we're born or what religion we we grew up in believing i look at that and i think that is such a talk about vibrational level Whoa. that's a very low vibration again it's all survival the fact that we have uh, our greatest wars have been over religious differences <laughs> is just it's crazy to me and you know you know, there are times, you know, when I even talk about the mystical experience, there are times where people are together, we gather together, and we feel this incredible oneness. You know, it's like if we all came together, and I never knew what your religion is, I never knew anything about you. But again, I'm feeling an energy. Mm-hmm. We're all together, and we're feeling this oneness with one another. Does any of that even matter? We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. So why, so who, we have to ask ourselves, who, who is perpetuating this dissent, you know, and why are we oh. allowing for it? Why are we buying into those programs that aren't even real? Talk about lifting the veils of illusion. That to me is what the veils of illusion are, is buying into these ideologies and buying into these beliefs and these narratives that somebody told us to believe. I mean, as they say, uh, follow the money. <laughs> that's exactly right. But that's what's so interesting about this time, Alex, is like we are, there is so much coming out that's like, whoa, every day. Oh, every day, every day like, there's some okay. new revelation. But it's because of this kind of conversations that are being now, there is no middleman between this conversation and the world. Before right. I would have to have a producer and a network and a distribution outlet and they would they would curb it and what didn't work for them. And now people are able to have conversations like this completely freely, put it out into the world and people can go on YouTube or go onto a podcast and listen to these very authentic conversations and ideas that might plant seeds in them either now, either they get it now or they'll get it 10 years from now or 20 right. years from now because they started hearing because if you're listening to this or you're watching this there's something inside you that is curious there's something yeah, it's so true and i you know i've had many times where i you know i get into these exist- existential conversations with myself and i remember even as a young uh, woman or a girl young girl i was like why does the world function the way it does like why mm-hmm. this really could be heaven on earth Mm-hmm. You know, why do we need to create hell on earth? Like, why are we, why do we go against nature? Why do we um, create things that are harmful for us? Look at food. There could be so much, you know, why do we have to add all these additives and all these poisons oh. in our food? Like, I don't, I, like a part of me goes or, or, or blitzkrieg everybody with pharmaceutical drugs and not let them believe that their immune systems are vibrant and healthy. Look at the lies that we've been told. Sure. You, know, you, you can sit and watch TV and you've seen 20 commercials within an hour of all of these diseases and illnesses that were made to believe that if we don't take those drugs, you know, it's, this is all brainwashing. Mm-hmm. So I, sometimes I've had days going, you know, go again, it's all greed, it's money. It's, it's, it's like, is that really how you want to live? But the bottom line is all of that is about people trying to fill a void from things that are outside of themselves. Right. The whole system is built around trying to fill the void that cannot be filled with billions and trillions and every single materialistic thing on the planet. It will never fill it. Right. And trust me, and there are some guys out there who are trying to fill it with materialistic stuff. There's more billionaires now than ever before. A lot of people have benefited a lot over the last three years when we were all in a state of fear. Right. But but from, from where I come from in Hollywood, I've met big movie stars who have a lot of money and fame and all that stuff. And they're empty and they're searching because they're like, this didn't, you know, the Oscar didn't fill the hole. And I go, but then you look at the the yogi who looks homeless in the middle of Calcutta somewhere, and you're just like, oh, but he seems happy. 
I know, you know, it's interesting because I think about like, again, I love your whole sharing of the dark room because um, that really is where we can find out who we are. And I don't mean whether someone's going to sit in a black room or not. I like the metaphor of that because mm -hmm. I feel that um, we're in, we're, we have an opportunity right now to really um, bring in a new world, a whole yes. new, a whole new way of being, mm -hmm. you know, a whole, a world in which that has been, it's as if it's been kept from us, you know, we've been, well, we weren't ready. We weren't ready. But you know what? The new generations coming up are much more open to it. The yeah. kids, the younger generations, the teenagers, the twenty-somethings right now—they look at things so much differently than my generation or your generation did. Completely different points of view. They look at things that we took for granted, and they're like, "That's ridiculous." Like, yeah, I mean, I agree with you. I just hope that they don't fall into because there's so much going on on the planet right now that is wow. There's, you know, we're also. It's interesting. There's this movement towards spiritual awakening that's really powerful and it's really igniting mm -hmm. the planet in a really powerful way. And then there's this whole movement. I did research for my book on, you know, the fact that our technology is advancing so exponentially. So you've got artificial intelligence, you have transhumanism. Mm -hmm. So look at this crazy contradiction. So you've got like those that want to return to the earth and be sustainable and you know create communities so that we can grow grow our own food and we can create these really wholesome communities and then you've got these you know transhumanists that want to rush us into the future and microchip us and you know live like computers so you're going to see a real schism on the planet you know yes we're in the future i get that i don't i i don't have a problem with the it's fact that we're but, you know, and, and maybe tomorrow will look more like Blade Runner, you know. I hope but not. <laughs> I, I hope not, too, because I really believe that behind a lot of that vision, you know, if you follow the World Economic Forum and if sure, you're sure, sure. first and all of that, you start to see the, that there are those that think they can play God and tell us what our future is and what our destiny is. And I'm like, um, I don't really feel like I need Klaus Schwab and the World Economic Forum to tell me what, or Bill Gates to tell me what my future should be because they insist on it. Or it's going to be a hell of a ride. Let's just put it that way. <laughs> I think it's already started. I think, I think we're holding on. Ticket. Yeah. Now I'm going to ask you a few questions. Ask all of my guests. Uh, what is your definition of living a good life? Living a good life is living truthfully, authentically, kindly compassionately and um sharing your your love and your light and your truth what how do you define god divine presence that is with us on this life journey to as i'm looking out my window at the clouds um that there is something that is greater than us and our egos and is guidance for us on this life journey and what is the ultimate purpose of life to awaken and where can people find out more about you and the work you're doing and your amazing books two of which are time to awaken and mindful and mindfulness and mysticism they can find me on my uh my website which is oranadrich.com mm -hmm. and everything's there you want to get my books, you know, Amazon, get, <laughs> get to your door the next day. So um, thank you, Amazon for, you know, for doing that. Mm -hmm. And yeah. And do you have any final words for our audience? Um, I look forward to uh, waking up more with each and every one of you. Or I appreciate you and the work that you're doing to awaken the world. Thank you so much, my dear. Thank you so much for having me. I want to thank Aura so much for coming on the show and sharing her knowledge and experience with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 242. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.